Good morning, everybody. How you all doing? Welcome to Good Vibes with Jason B. So this episode is called Who's Responsible? So I was having a, a discussion between me and Mr. Uh, no Show. Uh, I, I really like his station. He brings up some good awareness things. And he was mentioning how he, uh, you know, he's changed his living style. He's eating better. He's eating before 7 o'clock, you know, and so forth. So we know that diabetes is a, a subject, you know, close to my heart and so many others. And we're understanding that it's affecting so many people. Um, it is really a pandemic here in the United States. Uh, one in every four people, I think, it, uh, was the latest statistic, is diabetic or pre-diabetic. And that is way out of line. Um, uh, and type 2 diabetes is the number one I guess condition for most diabetics. Um, type, or no, yeah, type two, and then uh, type one. They're usually born with it, and I know it affects, uh, you know, other artists uh, here on Anchor. Um, I think, but I believe Maddie Mo, he's type one diabetic. So who's responsible, and how we develop to become diabetic? And um, the more and more I'm listening to articles, uh, different people talk about there's less and less minerals in our vegetables, our foods. Um, you know, we have the diet craze, the health craze. Uh, it's all interrelated, you know, from fitness to uh, nutrition, uh, diets. They're all interrelated. And then the the medical that we seek, you know, medical help, whether it be going to the regular doctor or uh, nutritionist, uh, and so on. So, you know, there's no magic pill for to make us better. It, it, just, it doesn't exist. And no matter how many drugs they come up with, they may leave some symptoms, but they're not truly treating the symptoms. So who's to blame? Should we really blame the, the, big, the big parts of the, of the food industry and beverage, you know, like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, um, the Kraft, uh, you know, General Mills. I mean, most of these foods, they're fast, fixed foods, and our culture has been on fix it fast, get it done, with so little time and so little effort. And that's been going on for the last 35 years, or maybe more, maybe 40 years, I'd have to say. People are not spending time at the table. People are not taking time to cook or learn how to cook our cultural foods. And the foods that we do eat are altered. So, I can remember clear back into the late 80s when um, I noticed my mom started changing what she was. we were drinking as far as milk is concerned. Um, we went from regular fat to 2%. You know, um, I noticed we started eating low-fats or no-fat foods. Uh, we started eating uh, foods that were basically made out of a box and actual raw ingredients conceived recipes were less and less because my mom was tired. You know, three kids, you know, that was the one meal out of the whole day that we all got to enjoy that it was not like, okay, let's put it in the microwave or let's get it at school. And keep in mind, for me, a microwave didn't really come into play until the early 90s. I was in high school. We didn't have a microwave um, until I was, I think it was a, maybe a fresh, no, a late 80s. Freshman high school is when I, when I first encountered the microwave in our household. 
But up until that point, my mom had to go with the traditional methods of, you know, making it in the oven, making it on the stovetop. But still, you know, um, the box preservative foods, they led this trickle-down effect and has led me to where I'm currently at. Now, should a food maker be responsible for your health condition? Um, some people have tried to sue, like, fast food places like McDonald's. They've made them the way they are, but they keep falling on their face in their lawsuits because it was a personal choice. Now, does a personal choice, you know, is that fully responsible for who puts what into your food? Not necessarily. Can a food maker put things in your food where it can be addictive like a drug? Yes. And we're seeing it in huge fashions with sugar. Um, in the 80s, you heard the pandemics about drugs and um, alcohol, you know, say no to drugs in the 80s. You know, uh, thanks to Nancy Reagan, the say no to drugs. So eventually it shifted to becoming opioid and sugar-based addictions. And sugar-based addictions are, that means that most everything um, that we have in a grocery store has a lot of sugar to it or has high fructose corn syrup as a base for flavor, you know. And there are studies out there. I can't quote exactly which one yet because I'm driving, but there are studies that are showing what a brain looks like on cocaine and what a brain looks like when it's on a sugar-based diet. And they were showing that the deterioration of the brain cells in the sugar brain were way worse than cocaine. Now, I'm not going to say go try to use cocaine like it's a lesser drug. It's still bad for you. But still, you know, so who's really responsible? Is it the makers of our food or assemblers of our food? They're putting ingredients. Um, Mr. No Show raised a good point. We cannot have chicken nowadays without having some kind of steroid and believe it or not, these steroids are estrogen-based. Now, estrogen um, in foods tends to retain water, retain inflammation. And for those of you who know, don't know what inflammation is, inflammation is the swelling of an organ or muscle or um, body part, so to speak. So um, what they've done is, They've pumped the food and the poultry and as well as cattle beef full of estrogen to make them swell, to make the muscles swell, to make the meat more tender or let's just say bulkier and juicier. But what they're finding out is that it's it's wreaking havoc on so many people. Um, it's making people... people out in the open, I guess if you walked out in a metropolitan area, you're going to see more severe obese people than you will um, see naturally thin people. And that's going from ages 18 to 55. In that range, you will see more obese people and children as well because kids are just going to replicate what their parents eat. You know, they're going to follow these traditional habits like, okay, okay. 
preservatives to where it's not even real food. Yeah, they. Um, I was reading an article a while back about how this one company was genetically multi, uh, altering cheese to where it was a plastic-like base. And what they did was is they started selling it because it was so cheap to make. They started selling it to the fast food industry. And you can definitely taste that chemical in fast food, like if you go to Burger King, you go to Carl's Jr. Uh, I think McDonald's is more of a real cheese on their food, but don't quote me on it. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not a scientist, but this is what I'm speculating. And you can taste it, the difference between I've had a real cheese made from a real dairy or a cheese person as opposed to this uh, garbage that they're selling in stores. And so, um, anyhow, so they're finding out that it's like, oh, it's a cheap substitute, you know, and people don't realize they're eating it. And I really stopped eating McDonald's burgers and things like that and, and Carl's Jr. burgers and things like that um, a while, a little while ago. And one time I just wanted to see how I felt because I used to love the Double Western Bacon Cheeseburger from Carl's Jr. Um, I bought one, and I took within four bites, my stomach was so sick. Um, I was very nauseated. Um, I went to the bathroom. It, it just did not feel good. So I was like, okay, I will not be going back to this place. I will not be eating what I used to like and what I was used to um, for that aspect. So going forward, um, now when a company alters what was, I can't say it's naturally made because cheese is made through a process, but what I can say is like the over-preservatives, the over-sodium, and like there's chemical names I've never even heard of. When you look at labels, when you start reading labels on a box, Say like hamburger helper. Look at the look what the chemicals that are actually in the food. You know, um, it will be very alarming. So, who's responsible for our pandemic of food? Because the Europeans they don't seem to be having this problem. Latin Americans don't seem to be having the severe problem we have. Maybe it's a lack of food. I don't know, but, um, and then also pesticides that are sprayed on our produce. So they've been also altering um, genetically the fruits and vegetables that we put on our table. Um, they're called GMO, growth, what is it, growth maturity hormone, something like that, uh, or no, genetically modified, uh, what did they say? Organics, I forget the whole term, but I basically know what it means, and when I see it, um, I know that it's not a good deal. And a lot of times when something says that it's organic and it starts with an 8 on the, the say like an apple, and there's usually a number, if it starts with an 8, that means it has been genetically modified and it's not truly organic. Now, the United States our government... Um, or the Department of Agriculture has stated that the terms in which something can claim that it's organic 
very lucid, very flawed. Um, it can have chemicals or a genetically modified seed, um, but doesn't mean that it has to be treated that way. So there's a lot of confusion. People are like, well, where do I get really good food? You know, and so it does take you time reading, and it, and it is exhausting, and it gets expensive um, when you buy, um, you know, produce that is shipped, especially from other countries. And um, a lot of part of our food also is being, you know, derived from foreign soils. Um, we are having soils uh they're depleted of their, their natural minerals coming from other countries. Um, we, the, in the Midwest, the highest producing agriculture item is corn. And what that has done has depleted a, much of the water table in the Midwest. So, um, you know, corn and uh, grains have seriously de depleted the water table. Um, GMOs have taken place, and they are the root source of of our misbalance of diet. Now, kids are not eating leafy greens, and there's there's even some studies out there, um, as I'm starting to discover, that are showing that some even the leafy greens are depleted of their natural healing uh, attributes and minerals, and so now people are being sold buy this mineral, buy this, and buying uh, stuff that we naturally don't even need or don't even have, you know, and it's it's really scary. So um, my question to you folks, who do you think is responsible for the pandemic of diabetes and obesity in America? Is it the food makers and producers or is it us by choosing? That's the big question for the day. Yo, Jason B, what's good, what's good? Great episode. Talking about who is responsible. I'll tell you right now. I know one major outlet that's responsible. And it is public television. The commercials you watch, the TV shows you see, are all pushing this fake propaganda that's just geared to fuck you up left and right, no matter which way you choose, as long as you pay attention to their marketing. Granted... They're one of the greatest marketers in the world because they get everybody and their attention onto their tube. But one of the biggest misconceptions that I feel that we do have is drinking milk. Number one, drinking stuff that was processed from a cow that's not directly from a cow. It's not going to give us the vitamin D we need. Our bones need minerals and, and iron, calcium. We need stuff that's going to regenerate our bone structure. That's why it's important that we get the breast milk from the human mother, not the cow. Thank you, Mr. No Show, for uh, giving a comment. You're right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about dairy. Um, in regards to dairy, um, vitamin D, and um, where how milk really helps the body, so to speak, it doesn't, realistically. Um, milk has been processed and stripped so bad because in order to sell it on the market, you got to heat pasteurize it. And if you're not, if you're not certain on this, um, this is a little bit of a known fact. But if you're curious, 
look up on the internet uh, the process for uh, selling milk or you know processing milk for, for retail. Um, there's some strict guidelines. Every state is different, but in the state of California, majority of the time it does have to be heat pasteurized. It means a lot of times they heat it up so much to where um, it kills any bacteria or live uh, growth, you know, caused over or, or bad bacteria. It basically boils it out. And they strip it and they clean it of it as best they can. And then there you have it. So if you actually went to a real dairy and got from a regular just pasture cow, not the kind that they put in these big giant, you know, pens with a lot of the cows just standing in their own shit, uh, let's just say an open grass-fed cow, the milk is going to taste, if you got it straight from the cow, it's going to taste completely different from what you get in the store. It just will. It's going to be thicker in consistency. It's going to have a heavier taste. Um, I know because, I mean, I grew up around dairies and ranches uh, in Manteca back in the 80s. My friends were ranchers and dairy farmers. And, um, yeah, so it's actually milk is not really healthy for you. Um, a lot of time for for health purposes, the most healthy kind of milk was mother's breast milk, and that's a fact. Now, I had heard a rumor that there are athletes and people that are buying breast milk online. And I haven't really got a chance to really dive into that, but my girlfriend was telling me that, um, you know, she had gotten an email approached by um, a company that would buy her breast milk. And the thing was is they were saying that they were going to sell it to children or for other mothers, for children who just can't breastfeed. And a lot of times, women who don't breastfeed, um, I've seen it firsthand, it takes a little bit for the baby to latch on and take on, you know, to go after it. And there's a small window. Um, there's like a thin layer of, what was it, colostrum that that's uh, built in in the navel, and it um, it's before the real milk comes, and it takes a while for the child to, you know, to, to latch on, so a lot of times within the first few days, there are women who, well, they get frustrated, they get frustrated with the baby because they think the baby's starving, um, they just don't do it, they just, they give up. Um, my middle daughter, her mom ha had that problem, and you know, it really does take uh, education um, to the mother or to the couple about how important the breast milk is. Because believe it or not, 
the the breast milk is giving the child um, the natural immunities that the, the child will need for a lifetime. And it's also electromagnetic, and it's a, a, a power source also for the child of brain waves, things like that are incurred, or they're they're developed through breastfeeding. Um, there's so many other things. So when milk was being peddled so much, I think clear back into the 40s is when you would hear about milk being brought to people's doors. Um, they were thinking they were getting something vital and helpful and then move on to the 80s where you'd heal here in the commercials milk does a body good so um yeah so anyhow i'm going to come back in just a moment we're going to talk a little bit more about this in just a second and we're back again so um like i was talking about milk um dairy products cheeses um things and creams our creamers, um, this all has an adverse ref, um, effect on us all, uh, and like I've told people before, I am diabetic, um, milk is also a, a sugar-based, um, product, so it's, it's just not good for us. Now, there's natural sugars that come in things that are okay for us, but the way that sugar is used in so many different facets scary, and it's just like, okay, so Mr. No Show was talking about, you know, in his opinion, um, one of the most responsible is media, television, because children and adults, we both, we see what is advertised to go eat from a restaurant to a grocery store item, uh, is advertised, it's pushed, and it's true, um, we're still on that work grind so fucking hard to where we're not we're not paying attention to the basics at home. Um, the average household has one primary parent that is responsible for um, the teaching and upkeep of the house as well as uh, teaching children um, culture. Uh, how to be a better human being, and then, you know, going over their homework, school, education, um, some things that are basically taught at home have been lost here in the United States, and some people may want to argue at this point, but I I actually wanted to argue against it. My my girlfriend was bringing up the point where um, the United States does not have culture. And that's a pretty bold statement to say because naturally we want to argue against it. But there are things that are in American society that are not in anywhere else. So that would be a part of culture. But because we're such a huge um, melting pot, you know, we're a big giant blend, um, there's no one specific thing that is considered American culture only, you know. And the influences of that can be impeded by television, marketing, internet, um, you know, electronic devices. Even here, what we're listening to on Anchor as well as uh, Apple Podcasts and so forth. So 
we do have to take in consideration. Um, towards, um, you know, what can we sell? And not that I really want to get off topic, but Anchor has just recently changed a little bit. It's made some improvements. It's let you be able to flag and, and really get into the professional editing of your podcast. And even it, it too, is monetizing. You know, Anchor has slowly, from the process of being totally free to where they want to make a cut of money. So that for those of you who have a lot of followers and they get paid, monetized, I looked into the terms and what they were saying. It's like, I think they want 5% of your monetization fees. Of every single fee that you receive, they want 5%. Um, is it justifiable? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I think it, it's it's a difficult thing, you know, with uh, sponsorship. You know, uh, sponsorship therefore is marketing and commercials. Um, there are people that are podcasters, like uh, Impact Theory. Uh, what is it? Uh, Tom Bailu. Um, he he peddles a few different things out there. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, he's a, a media mogul, and he also advertises on his station. There's quite a few sponsors of products that, you know, get onto the podcast. So, honing back onto what Mr. Nosho was saying, he's saying that um, media and marketing have such an impact on our daily living know, so to speak, and um, and we really have to pay attention to that, you know, because, uh, but now there is a huge movement where people are not watching television as much. They'd rather watch what's on YouTube or they'd rather stream, because they don't want to deal with commercials. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk had mentioned on his station before that he thinks that TV commercials are on their way out. So these advertisers, these marketers, are in a panic race to shift to the audio, and we do see that, and we're, we're listening to that. So I guess this part of the segment of for this episode is um, this is about the marketing of where we're getting food, how it affects in so many different ways, and that's what we really need to be aware of. So, and it goes even further than that. I mentioned earlier in this episode that uh, poultry is being affected because estrogen and other steroids are being pumped into the meats and food. So, um, I'm going to step a little further on that. Um, I'm going to prove something to you. Okay, so uh, so those of you who are love fish, and you've been hearing salmon is like the healthiest fish you could possibly have. But now the wild-caught salmon, as far as the industry is concerned, is too expensive. And there is, according to the Fish, fish and Wildlife of the United States, um, there's only so much that they can catch um, 
wild caught. However, um, the farm-raised salmon, there's no limit because they're raised out in wild pens. And you can see the distinctive difference between wild-caught salmon and farm-raised. Now, farm-raised, um, they spray the color on to have the, the meat look red. And even the grain of the meat of, in the salmon is much different. Um, I wish I could put pictures of this on here, but I can definitely show the difference. Um, wild-caught salmon is a delicacy, and it does have the omega-3. It does have the vital nutrients that you can help your joints, the fats that will actually insulate your brain. Um, I was listening to a audio program where they were talking about one of the roots of Alzheimer's and dementia is the lack of fat in our system to insulate and keep our brain healthy. And how they can prove this is like another study was done about epileptic patients where when they fed them on high-fat diets, they had less seizures, less problems, and they became functional. So it's a big thing. So if you're curious about epilepsy and um, the effects of fat, um, there's plenty of documentation and that also goes into what I'm trying to say. Um, so anyhow, so the fish, you know, industry has been greatly affected because, you know, scientists and fishing game have come up with alternative methods to reach a fish quota for the United States. So before, before in the 40s and 50s, um, the fish industry was marginalized and regionalized by they could only deliver so much product frozen for so far for so long before it spoils. Now, I don't think there is one location in the United States where you can't get a product that is not modified or no, that is modified for its travel purposes, preservation, and so forth. So you can get it from from fish, farm, or whatever, hatchery, whatever, market to your supermarket to your table. You know, and that also includes restaurants. And that's how um, national restaurant chains, such as Red Lobster, were born out of. The ability to be able to ship any of their products from mahi-mahi to halibut, crab, lobster, um, they were able to, to uh, ship those things nationwide. And so they blew up in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. However, I do see a decline in national chain restaurants because more people are being health conscious. And they're just they're sick of the processed flavors and non-authentic cuisine recipes. Um, I myself used to work for Romano's Macaroni Grill. I worked for them for 13 years. And I can tell you that from when I first started in 2003, um, the, for example, their chicken marsala recipe has changed dramatically. It's nowhere near what it used to be. Now, I am not trying to slander Romano's Macaroni Grill. 
but I'm giving my personal opinion, and if you're the, you know, that's just the way it is as a former employee and someone who enjoyed the food. I used to love their food, but like so many other restaurants, they they've changed, and so we're gonna take a brief break here in just a moment, and we're gonna go a little further into this uh, this topic. All right. I've had a total of 15 listens. That's pretty damn good for me. Um, Thank you for your attention. I'm noticing a lot of my listens are coming from the Apple, um, uh, or the podcast, the Apple uh, platform, as well as Spotify. If uh, you have some time, I would greatly appreciate a review. I'm asking for it, whether good or bad, but uh, I would... Leave a review. Please write something. Give me a rating. Or if you're here on Anchor, um, I would also like a rating. What you thought about the episode? What would you like to hear more of? Would you like to hear something where I can uh, verify uh, the things that I have said? I mean, anything helps. Uh, I'm not going to monetize just yet. This is going to stay free material. But um, there's lots of uh, material to go by in regards to the subject. So, uh, I'm looking for all sorts of inputs, and uh, now let's just keep it going, and uh, share with your friends. Let me know what they think, and um, you know, just keep the station growing. And any any help, I appreciate. Thanks for listening.